And the fact that six others went with him shows that Peter's still a leader, but he's not leading them in the way that they should be going. So a leader that falls and quits is a leader that's gonna keep leading people, but in the wrong direction. Welcome to In Grace with Jim Scudder, Jr. He is the senior pastor of Quentin Road Baptist Church in Lake Zurich, Illinois, and the president of Dayspring Bible College in Mundelein, Illinois. Welcome back to In Grace. I'm Jim Scudder, and today we are going to be talking more about Jesus and his resurrection appearances as he is now going to appear in the Galilee. The Galilee. Why would Jesus make these appearances on the shore of the Sea of Galilee and later on to a group of 500 people, I believe, in the Galilee? Why the Galilee? You know, he had made his appearances in Jerusalem on the road to Emmaus, which is just outside of Jerusalem. Why the Galilee? Well, we're going to explore that today at the beginning, and we're coming in halfway through the message. If you want to hear the first part of it, go to our website, ingraceradio.com. Click on radio, and you can listen to yesterday's message to really understand the full picture here. But we're coming up to the whole purpose of Jesus there on the seashore, making this appearance. And it's really for one reason. It's to restore Peter. Peter was the great leader And Peter felt like he was a failure. He returns to fishing. And Jesus says, no, I'm not done with you. You may have denied me three times, but I'm going to restore you three times. And and that's the story here. So it's going to be incredible. I hope that you are listening carefully today as we learn what God wants us to know today. That will change our lives. And then we mentioned you going to the Galilee. Uh, if Would you like to tour Israel? Well, we've done tours for uh, about 40 years now, and we'd love for you to come on a grace tour to Israel. Uh, we have one coming up next year. If you'd like to go on that, check out our website, ingraceradio.com. Click on travel, and there you'll see our Alaska cruise this summer and our Israel tour 2024 in February. And then also, we have a lot of other great resources on our website, uh, videos and books books and stuff that will really help you grow in Christ. And so that also helps finance what we do. And so let me encourage you to go check that out, ingraceradio.com. Why would Jesus make appearances, post-resurrection appearances, in the Galilee? Why not just do them all right where he had done, which was in Jerusalem? You know, why is he going back up to the Galilee? And I really thought about that and wondered about that, and the Bible isn't clear. But since he began his ministry there, I think it's fitting that he was ending his ministry there as well. And he made the appearance in, in this episode we're about to read about, and he made an appearance to 500 in the Galilee. He also commissioned his disciples, we call it the Great Commission, in the Galilee, on a mountain in the Galilee. He ascended back in Jerusalem. So the very final thing that happens with Jesus' life, his ascension happened on the Mount of Olives. But everything else um, from the point of after appearing in the upper room with Thomas, which was the second Sunday, the first Sunday he had appeared, the day he rose, also in the room and Thomas wasn't there. He had appeared to Mary. He had appeared to the two on the road to Emmaus. One was Cleopas. And he had appeared to Simon Peter. Uh, so he had already made some appearances. But now he had told his disciples that he was going to meet them up in the Galilee. And it's, I think it's fitting because one 
disciple in particular really needed to be in that setting where he had spent all his life, he had grown up on the Sea of Galilee, he was a fisherman, he needed to be in that setting for something that Jesus was going to do for him to get him past a tremendous failure that he had in his life, which is something we'll talk about next time. So that's why I believe they're in the Galilee. Now, John 21 in verse two says, there were together Simon Peter, Thomas called Didymus, Nathaniel of Canaan and Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee. We know the sons of Zebedee were James and John, and two other of his disciples. So we have seven disciples that are up here in this episode, Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel, James, John, and two others. We don't know who they are, but they're back in Galilee. Jesus, remember, had told Mary and also told the women that he had first appeared to that he was going to meet his disciples in Galilee. Look at Matthew 28, 10. Then said Jesus unto them, be not afraid, go tell my brethren that they go into Galilee and there shall they see me. Now that he had already made an appearance to them in the upper room, but now he's going to be spending time with them. Spending time with them and fellowshipping with them and giving last minute instructions and commissioning them. Now John 21 verse 3 is very interesting and this has stumped preachers and theologians to try to figure out what Peter did, was that okay? Was it right? Was it wrong? So let's figure this out. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. I love that. I go a fishing. So anytime I have an itch to fish, I just tell Karen, I go a fishing. And she can't argue, it's in the Bible. Now, obviously, anytime I go fishing, it's, it's not for survival. It's not for, you know, if, if I don't go fishing, I'm not gonna eat. But I sure love fresh fish. Talk about like fresh, you know, you, you've caught it yourself and you know where it came from. So, um, but, but their, their fishing wasn't recreational, friends, okay? You think, well, they were just up there in the Galilee. This was at least a week after the resurrection, maybe a little bit more, but we know Jesus was on the earth 40 days before his ascension. So we know it's somewhere in the second, third or fourth week or, or fifth week, somewhere in there is where this happened. Maybe they were up there waiting and waiting and then they were getting bored and hey, let's go fishing. Let's go do something. I don't think it was that. I don't think it was that at all. Simon Peter says, I go a fishing. And they say unto him, remember the, the, the six others, we also go with thee. Isn't that what men do? You know, one guy says, I'm gonna go do this and then they all just go off and do that. All you women are nodding. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately and that night they caught Nothing. I can identify with this. There are plenty of times. My wife once actually calculated how much money I spent on fishing lures, boat gas, license, fishing equipment. Um, don't ever do that per pound of fish that you catch or don't catch. So they fished all night and they caught nothing. Does that sound familiar? Have we read this somewhere else in the Bible, in the Gospels? We have. We have. The very similar story happened at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. That's why we're going to read about this story. Now, why did Simon Peter go fishing? Here's my conclusion. And again, there's a lot of debate on this, but 
And we have to kind of be careful if the Bible doesn't clearly tell us something. But this sounds right to me. I think Peter was so demoralized by what he did, by failing the Lord, by even, even Jesus predicting that he would be denied three times before the rooster crowed, and he did it. He probably just felt like there's no possible way that Jesus could possibly forgive him, let alone use him. There's no way. He had seen Jesus. He could hardly believe that Jesus was alive, but there's no way that even if Jesus forgave him, there's no way he could possibly be used. Have you ever felt that? Have you ever been there in your life that you've just felt like, oh man, I really blew it. How can I possibly get past this? Here's what I'd like to tell you. If Peter can be forgiven and go on for the Lord, there's a hope for all of us, okay? We can all get past that. But Peter goes fishing, I think, just because he thought that he couldn't be useful to the Lord anymore, and I'm just gonna go back to what I know. I'm gonna go back to earning a living. And remember, after the last miracle of the great catch of fish, you all remember that story? When they had fished all night, they hadn't caught anything, Jesus said, cast your net on the other side, they did, and they had so much that the net broke, and they filled up two boats, and the two boats were sinking. And then Peter declared Jesus to be the son of God. And Jesus said, from now on, you're going to be fishers of men. But now he's going back to fishing for fish. That's not what God wanted. That's not what Jesus wanted. So all of this is a setup. Jesus going into the Galilee, where he started his ministry, to reinforce some things with his disciples, as most of them, or I would say all of them, were from the Galilee. These were Galileans. But in particular, he had something to do. He had something to say to Peter from the shore of this lake. There was something about that setting that would really help reinforce what he was going to tell Peter a little bit later on. So, there they are. Out fishing, they fished all night, they caught no fish, and, and the fact that six others went with him shows that Peter's still a leader, but he's not leading them in the way that they should be going. They shouldn't be going out back to fishing, they should be fishing for men still. So a leader that falls and quits is a leader that's going to keep leading people, but in the wrong direction, Okay? And so they fished all night, and they came up empty. They had, no, they had nothing to show for all of that work. You know, Jesus tells us, though, that without him, we can do nothing. And he said that in John 15, 5. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. Had they forgotten that? Had they forgotten that Jesus needs to be involved? They need to be connected to him? You say, well, what if he ascends? And what if he's gone? Can you still be connected to Jesus? Yes. How? By walking in the spirit. There's one God. The Father, Son, and Spirit. The, the spirit is in you, but, but that is still God. And you still have access to Jesus. You need to have that connection or you're going to go out all night and catch nothing. I'm not talking about fish here. 
I'm talking about your life spiritually, okay? God wants you to have an abundant life. He wants you to bring forth much fruit, but you're only gonna do that if he empowers you and you allow him to enable you to accomplish his will. You're listening to In Grace with Jim Scudder Jr. How old is the earth? Did Noah's flood really happen? If you're wrestling with the answers to these questions, look no further than InGrace's exciting video series, A Walk Through Creation, where Jim Scudder walks through the amazing Creation Museum in Northern Kentucky with answers in Genesis founder, Ken Ham. Together, they discuss how modern science actually backs up truths found in scripture. This incredible series will be yours as a thank you for a gift of any amount to InGrace. And when your gift is $35 or more, you will also receive two more video series, a tour of Noah's Ark with Bodie Hodge and dinosaurs that destroy evolution. Don't miss out on this exclusive opportunity to gain a deeper understanding of the young earth creation perspective. To get this limited time offer, call now, 800-78-GRACE, or order on our secure website, ingraceradio.com. You can also write to us at InGrace, P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. So we read about this very similar parallel passage in Luke 5, this the story of all of these fish that are coming in. So they, they fished all night. They didn't catch anything, John 21, 4. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples knew not it was Jesus. Does this sound familiar? Remember in some of the other post-resurrection appearances of Christ, they didn't recognize him. Mary at first didn't recognize him, Mary Magdalene. The two on the road to Emmaus didn't recognize him. They were walking with him a long time until he broke bread at a, at a house. Then they finally realized who it was. He was able to veil his identity, and I think that's what he's doing here. Now, this boat was about a football field offshore, we're told later, so that would make sense that they, maybe it was a little too far and it was dawning. And, and, but either way, they didn't know who it was. In verse 4, then Jesus saith unto, unto them, children, have ye any meat? He's basically saying, do you have anything to eat? They answered him, no. Okay. Now, when we're just reading words, it's hard to understand inflection. I'm pretty sure they muttered no very disappointedly. Like fishermen never want to admit that they haven't caught anything. No. And by the way, Jesus' question was phrased in such a way that it's actually a, a question that's expecting a negative answer. So he already knew. He just wanted them to say it. No. Verse six, and he said unto them, cast the net on the right side of the ship and ye shall find. Wow, all of a sudden, that had to connect some neurons in the brain. Like, whoa, have you ever had something that you felt like you, you've already experienced this before? This happens to me all the time. I don't know why. But it's like, man, I, I dreamed that or that happened to me before. I don't know. Deja vu. Whatever. I don't believe in that, but it just seems weird. So certainly they must have had this like, whoa. Somebody told us to do that earlier, a couple of years ago, three years ago. And they cast, therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. It happened again. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved, who would that be? Remember, I've already taught you that. In the book of John, John doesn't mention him himself, but he says the disciple whom Jesus loved, and that's himself. That's John. 
saith unto Peter, it is the Lord. Aren't you glad there's Johns around? That the light bulb goes on a little quicker? You know, Peter's the first one to jump out, but John's the first one to have the light bulb go off. Remember John, when he went into the tomb, he saw the folded garments and the light bulb went off. He knew exactly what that meant. And here it is again. John says, hey, Peter, it's Jesus. <laughs> now, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girt his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked. And you say, well, wait a second. What do you, what do you mean he's, he's fishing naked? No, he was dressed for work which meant that you know, he, he was still clothed, but it wasn't, it, I guess, wasn't much. So he grabs his, his fisher's coat and did cast himself into the sea. Now that sounds like Peter. That's exactly what Peter would do. John, oh, Peter, this is Jesus. And then Peter jumps off the, the ship and starts swimming to shore. Verse eight, and the other disciples came in a little ship for they were not far from land. Now, as you hear a little ship, don't you kind of think of that little wooden boat that they recovered uh, from 2,000 years ago? Was it that boat? I don't know, but it certainly was that style and that, uh, that time frame. But it was, uh, as it were, 200 cubits, so cubits about 18 inches. That's about 300 feet, dragging the net with fishes. As soon as they were come to land, they saw a fire of coals there. And fish laid thereon and bread. And what the Bible doesn't say is what it smelled like. Now, I don't know about you, but the best food is food cooked on coals. It's just tremendous. So Jesus said, do you have any food? Expecting the answer to be no. He'd already, he, it was already cooking. Where did that come from? He probably created it. I don't know. He demanded the fish to jump out of the water to the shore. I don't know. It's pretty cool. He had bread. He had this, this beautiful breakfast laid out. And you say, well, I don't eat fish for breakfast. Wait till you have an Israeli buffet. You may start eating fish for breakfast. They, all, they always have that uh, lox, so that's, that's tremendous. But they also have other fish that you might, might want to try, you might not want to try. But uh, I, I like it. So there's this dinner or this breakfast cooking on the fire of coals. There's fish, there's bread. And Jesus saith unto them, bring of the fish which ye have now caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land full of great fishes, 153. Now we get a number. That's kind of cool. And it says great fishes. So these were big, big fish. This is a lot of fish. And for all there were so many, yet was not the net broken. Remember the first time the net broke, there were so many. This time there were many, but they were able to get it in and the nets held together. I think that's another miracle. And there was this breakfast. And Jesus, in verse 12, saith unto them, come and dine. Three words that must have sounded so sweet to the disciples. They had fled away. They had, they had denied him. And now he is there inviting them in, come and dine. There was a buffet that we used to go to and they would carve the beef. And the, the guy that was always carving the beef when we went to this restaurant with my dad, we'd go up there and he'd put this big slab on there and he'd put a little au jus. Does that sound good? And he says, he would always say this, the, the carver would say, eat and enjoy. 
eat and enjoy. And I think of that when Jesus says, come and dine. This, this invitation for fellowship, this invitation for, for just being together with a meal in an environment that they're so used to. And it's him resetting the re- relationship. That's what God can do. Come and dine. This is an invitation for all of us. And none of the disciples asked, who art thou, knowing that it was the Lord? You know, they, they were starting to get it. They were starting to get it. Verse 13, Jesus then cometh and taketh bread and giveth them and fish likewise. There's Jesus serving again. You know, isn't that amazing? Our God is a servant. Well, shouldn't we be servants? Are you always wanting to be served or are you a servant? And this is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples. After that, he was risen from the dead. You know, there's an abundance to the life in Christ that that Jesus wants. Remember when he said in John 10, he said that he's the door. You have to go through the door to be saved. And then once you have that, you can find pasture. Uh, And then it says at the end of verse 10, I am come that they might have what? Life. And that they might have it more abundantly. What's the big lie of the devil? God is holding back. God doesn't want to give you the best. You can have your own way and and be much better off. That's what he told Eve. She bought it. She ate of the fruit. Adam ate. We've all sinned. And we've had that fellowship broken. That's the big lie. And we become paupers. The devil is a thief, but God is a giver. God wants to give you not only eternal life, but he wants to give you fellowship and a time of restoration. And that's what we're going to see next time with Peter. Do you know for sure you're on your way to heaven? Have you put your faith in Jesus? Did you believe that he died for you on the cross and paid for your sins and rose again the third day? If you haven't done that, do it today. Do not delay. He is inviting you not only to be saved, but he's also inviting you to have fellowship with him, sweet fellowship with God Almighty each and every day. Come and dine. Those are some of my favorite words in the Bible. And I hope that you have that fellowship with the Lord. You know, every time I sit down with people at a meal, I just find it so enjoyable because you have the the food is kind of the excuse, but the real food, the real meat is talking and getting to know people and enjoying each other and their personalities as God made them different and unique and and their stories. You know, we could do that all day long and, and just talk. So I think that's what God wants with us. He wants us to sit down with him and learn about him and hear what he has to say and to teach us. That's the Christian life. It's a life of daily fellowship with him. And that's his invitation to us. Well, we'll talk more about this on our Monday edition of In Grace as Jesus uses this episode on the Sea of Galilee to restore the apostle Peter. We'll hear that on Monday. Tomorrow, we have a very special In Grace for you as we're going to be featuring the dramatic story of Claire Caldwell. She survived an abortion. It's an incredible, touching, moving story. And we interviewed her at the opening of the Creation Museum brand new uh, pro-life display, uh, We Are Fearfully and Wonderfully Made. So you'll want to tune in to tomorrow's program to find out about that. Speaking of the Creation Museum, 
I have a video, a two-part video series I'd love to send you. It is a walk through the Creation Museum with none other than Ken Ham. And so you will learn so much about him, about the museum, about creation when you get that. You can get it for a gift of any amount to this ministry. That money will make sure more people hear the gospel and you're going to get this powerful video. If your gift is $35 or more, I'd like to send you a four-part series, a tour through Noah's Ark with Bodie Hodge, that's Ken's son-in-law, and another exciting video, Dinosaurs That Destroy Evolution. Don't forget to get the video series, A Walk Through Creation with Ken Ham, for your gift of any amount. When your gift is $35 or more, you will also receive two more video series, A Tour of Noah's Ark and Dinosaurs That Destroy Evolution. Don't miss out on this exclusive opportunity. Call now, 800-78-GRACE. Go to our secure website, ingraceradio.com, or write to us at Ingrace P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois. 60047. Thank you for joining us on In Grace Radio with Jim Scudder Jr. In Grace is a member of the Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability. Our goal is to share the light of Jesus to a darkening world, helping you find hope, gain purpose, and be a light. You can be that light today by joining our mission to spread the gospel around the world. Just call us, 800-78-GRACE, or go online, ingraceradio.com. You can also write to us at InGrace, P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. Tune in tomorrow as we continue to explore God's Word and His world on InGrace Radio.